and welcome back to the Brianna Morello show. Of course, I am Brianna Morello and we had a crazy news week this week. I'm sure most of you have seen what's going on in Israel. It's been tragic uh, given the terrorist attacks been led by Hamas uh, just recently as well. Um, the, the the Israelis are, are, are telling us now that uh, they believe that Syria is also shooting missiles uh, into their country. And it's deeply concerning for those who are looking on and wondering what the future for our country and the rest of the world is. I mean, it's starting to look like potentially World War III is beginning. And um, the economic future is also kind of gray right now for many. We're looking for some glimpses of hope, but given the inflation that's going on throughout our country, our nation's increasing debt ceiling, and now this, a lot of you at home I know are deeply concerned, and I am as well. And so that's why our next guest, my very first guest actually on my podcast, is critical right now because he's going to teach us what we need to know, uh, how we need to protect ourselves, and much, much more. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Kirk Elliott to the show. Thank you for being here, Dr. Elliott. It's a pleasure to have you. Hey, Brianna, it's so good to be with you. And you know what? I'm excited to do this journey with you on this podcast from time to time and talk about the economy because when when people call our office, um, they're gripped and paralyzed with fear, like 99% of them, but they don't have to be. It's like, you know, we're... We, undoubtedly we're going to talk about some dark stuff from time to time, like wars and missiles going off in Israel and, and people running out of money. But here's where you don't have to look at that as necessarily negative because there's always a solution, right? But, but here, what, what I've found most often in America is, is people listen to too much bad news and they get gripped and paralyzed with fear and they're focusing on the storm. But here's where, I want to encourage everybody, focus on the solution, not the storm, because that'll put a smile on your face. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and we, we're all about coming up with plans uh, to plan yeah. for this and to make sure that, you know, your family at home, you guys have a plan in place. I know I uh, have just recently started a plan um, and I'm working with you as well to develop my plan. And so that's why this is so critical. So I guess we could start off first, a reaction to what we saw this week uh with israel and and how this might um affect our economy here in the united states if you'd like to give us some tips uh, and some advice on what you saw yeah so so here's the thing when whenever anything is pertaining to israel it always has this tentacles that reach out in spider web throughout the rest of the world um a because of where they're located and b because of the political allies that they have right but so where are they located right in the middle of the oil production of the world right so any kind of conflict in the Middle East, like throughout history, 99% uh, of the time causes oil prices to go through the roof. So even a research article I was reading yesterday, the expectation is because of this conflict, which is probably not going to be short lived. This is probably going to have some legs, sadly. I mean, this is the biggest attack on on Israel since, oh, I, I don't even know, the the Yom Kippur War, which yeah. was 50 years ago, right? I mean, this is this is big. It's it's the 50th anniversary um, of that that war, and already 13, 1400 people have died, and it's and it's getting nasty, right? So, so the expectation is that oil will probably hit 150 dollars a barrel. Mm -hmm. What is it now? It's like 94, right? So that's an increase of over 50 percent from where we are right now. And I'm traveling in California today and, and just saw gas prices, $6.91 a gallon. Imagine that going up 50%. If the price of oil goes up 50%, right? 
right? It's like, well, man, that's putting gas at the pumps at nine to $10 a gallon. This is insane. Most of America will not be able to cover that, right? They're living kind of hand to mouth already. So that's the economic implication, but there's also political consequences of this already. You've got countries choosing sides. Like Zelensky in, in Ukraine just said this was an act of terror. It's like, on which side, right? I mean, who knows what they're talking about, but they're picking, they're picking sides. And they said, when you have this kind of mayhem happening, it, it does impact the markets, right? So, so stocks, bonds, mutual funds, traditionally, they do not like chaos. They like consistency of future expectations, right? So people invest in any company because they think, ooh, the economy is growing. They have great products. They have great management. I'm going to invest in this company because 10, 20, 30 years down the road when I retire, I know it's going to be great. But whenever you have a hiccup, whenever you have something like this, people pull back the reins and they stop their investing. It's like, I I don't know what the future holds. I'm scared right now. I'm just going to hold back. So so traditional asset categories tend to come down during times like this, during times of war. There's misappropriation of funds, use misallocation when you could be using funds for productive things like growing an economy rather than for for airplanes and tanks and bullets and wars cost lives. And it's and it's really a big detriment. I don't care what Janet Yellen says. I don't care that she said the war in Ukraine is going to be the best thing for the global economy ever. It's like, that's an insane comment to make, right? But but I get it on the short term, it does produce jobs, but medium and long term, it's stimulus money. It's money that's printed out of thin air, right? To fund something that it, the money could have been used elsewhere. So this is gonna be devastating, Brianna, to the, to the global economy. I think for, for <laughs> I love that picture. It's like, what did I say that really? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think so it is her foot in her mouth for sure. Yeah, they're definitely the case. And so here's where, when I look at things, I, I look at things like puzzle pieces, right? You've got the politics, you've got economics, you've got social trends, you've got spiritual trends right now. If you put all of those puzzle pieces together, it paints a big picture for where we are economically. Right. And, and it allows us to look at things with a, with wisdom and knowledge and make logical decisions with our finances rather than knee jerk reactions to news stories. Right. So another one of those things would be like the debt ceiling, right. Which, which they just basically, if you, okay, take a step back. If you were to ask me three weeks ago, four weeks ago, what are they going to do with the debt ceiling? I would have said, Oh, easy, easy answer rubber stamp they're just going to increase it because they always do yeah. right but something happened on august 22nd through the 24th that made me pause and start to think oh maybe it's not going to be rubber stamped this time this was the BRICS nations meeting in durban south africa because on day one of the BRICS meeting putin made this statement he said we are going to de-dollarize the world it's our objective and it's irreversible it's like ooh, it's fighting words right there, right? So so how do they do that? By saying the BRICS nations, which Brianna right now are about 70% of the world's population, it's not a small trading block. When you add China and India and all these countries, it's about 
of the world's population. They're going to trade with each other's currency back and forth with each other and not the US dollar. What did that do? That basically dismantled our reserve currency status that's been in effect since 1944 with the Bretton Woods Act that said all international settlements are traded in the US dollar to provide um, stability to the global financial system. But then last day of that meeting, one more big thing. They added Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates into the BRICS nations. Then starting January 1st, Egypt, Ethiopia, Argentina, Iran, six of the nine largest oil producers in the world are now part of the BRICS nations. They're going to trade with each other with their own currency, not the petrodollar. So the US dollar was used for all oil settlements globally since 1973. No longer. So here's where this debt ceiling becomes problematic. They used to just rubber stamp it because you had built in demand for the dollar because of the petrodollar and the reserve currency status. Now they don't have that. So what do you do? So Biden decided and, and McCarthy, hey, let's actually just extend it for 45 days. Well, when you extend something, you keep the same provisions of the plan before, which earlier in the year, when they were about to run out of money, they basically didn't raise the debt ceiling. They did something infinitely worse. They actually said blank check, no debt ceiling, spend as much money as you want until the election. Saying, okay, that's stupid. I mean, but, but yeah, that's what they did. So that's the same provisions that they have now, right? So, so for the next 45 days, and now it comes up for a vote 40, like mid November, and I don't think it's going to be a rubber stamp this time. I think you've got there's there's factions growing. There's part of the GOP that's saying hard line. We're, we're drawing a line in the sand. You don't get a, a blank check anymore. You got to have you can't keep mortgaging our, our kids future. Right. And then you've got part of the GOP that's acting like uniparty people, which are World Economic Forum, the globalists, the, the Democrats. It's like. And, and here's, it's not an exact quote, but it's really close. It's like, in simple quote, we're not going to reduce spending. <laughs> okay, who are you and what party are you part of? So, so when you look at this debt clock, that tells us they're not reducing any kind of spending. The, the federal debt's now at over $33 trillion. Um, If you look at it when Obama was president, it was $11 trillion. It's like, man. If you looked at it when Reagan was president, it was less than a trillion. So here's where we go from 1776 until 1980, we went from zero to a trillion. 250 years, basically, it went from zero to a trillion. Now, from even from just Obama until now, which is what, 13 years-ish, um, we went from 11 trillion to 33 trillion. It's like, they're spending like drunken sailors. And this debt clock proves it. So down at the very bottom, look at that number. One in, in that red bar down at the bottom, US unfunded liabilities, $194 trillion. To me, that's what our true national debt is. Not 33 trillion, because this is what Congress has already passed. Bills that they've already passed that are unfunded equals $194 trillion. We're sunk. We don't, we don't have the mechanism now since we, the BRICS nations took away our reserve currency status and the petrodollar to continue funding that. 
I, I don't know what they're going to do other than print their way out of it, which the policy mechanism to slow down inflation that comes from printing money is to raise interest rates. I think we're going to have higher prices and higher interest rates for the foreseeable future. And these are just the political, the economic ramifications of public policy and of politics that's happening right underneath our nose. Yeah, yeah. And I think most Americans are looking for some form of stability at this point, because like you just described, it's it's it doesn't sound like it's getting any better. I mean, interest rates are through the roof currently. Uh, we were just going over mortgages, actually, my friends and I, and, and discussing what it would like, be like to purchase our first homes. And as of right now, um, based on what we could afford to pay as a down payment, my friend was just saying that for a $450,000 home, she's going to be paying in the mid 3000s for for a home that she wasn't going to pay that amount of money for monthly on her mortgage. And it's just gone through the roof and it's continuing to surge. Um, we're looking for stability. We're looking for, for some type of way to secure our future because everyone knows the best way usually to do that uh, is, is to invest somehow in some way. So ideally, uh, what would be your recommendations for our audience regarding just that? So there's different time and place for everything, right? I don't think there's any such thing as a bad investment, just bad timing for investments. Yeah. So when you look at the inflationary pressures that we're seeing, I would say allocate into tangible assets because they're things. Things go up with inflation. I don't care if it's cars or groceries or gold or silver, right? They're all things. And even Elon Musk, when he was asked like a couple months ago, it's like, hey, Elon, how do you how do you invest in times like this where we have massive inflation? He said, oh, it's easy. You invest in things because things go up with inflation. Well, dude, Elon Musk is the richest guy in the world. And he's saying what I'm saying, which is what I love. But so gold and silver are things. They tend to respond very, very well to inflationary pressures. So I would allocate into tangible assets like silver for such a time as this. I'm not saying that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, ultimately, we'll get policymakers back in D.C., changing Congress, changing presidency that actually bring back policies like during the Trump years or the Reagan years, which were lowering taxes, lowering interest rates and creating jobs. When we have that, normal traditional asset classes can go through the roof. But when you don't have that, you're fighting a battle that's hard to win. Right. Because most markets are a function of revenue. If people aren't spending money then profits, earnings, and revenues come down. Therefore, share prices come down. But when that happens, the governments lose revenue via lower sales tax revenue, income tax revenue, property tax revenue. So they're forced to print their way out of it. That causes inflation. That's why I would allocate into things like silver, like gold. But I would actually do silver right now because it's performing better. Simply, it's just performing better. And we can yeah. be in the right at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for a lot of Americans, too, who are concerned with with purchasing things like gold and silver because they lack storage, do you have kind of an option for those? Because, I mean, I live in, for an example, I'll give myself an example. I don't mind calling myself out. I live in a one bedroom apartment, things like that. You don't really want to store here. Are there options that are reasonable um, when you're when you're obtaining uh, gold or silver that, that you'd like to recommend as well? Yeah. So so you can actually store at a depository at a big vault so if you don't want to take delivery of it or you can take it at home everybody's different you know and and i can't make a blanket statement saying oh you have to take it at home or you should store to me it, it, I've, I've got clients that live in 
downtown Manhattan. It's like, I, I wouldn't take delivery of anything there. Who You'd probably get robbed on the way home, right? Yeah. <laughs> or some clients that say, hey, look, um, I, I don't trust anybody anywhere. I'm not going to trust anybody with my stuff. I don't care how safe the vault is. I'm taking delivery of it at home. There is no wrong answer, right? It's just, but but the key is I would allocate into the strength of those markets into tangible assets. And whether you take delivery or not is, is up to you. Now, the one caveat to that is if it's an IRA, you can't take delivery on it or else it's distributing out of your IRA. That becomes a taxable event. So in an IRA, it has to be stored. Got it. That makes sense. Um, for our audience at home and uh, many people, obviously many people probably have questions right now. Um, you have a lot of solutions uh, and, and you're obviously the expert. So where would uh, you like to direct our audience to go to if they if they have a question, they want to ask you because they could personally ask you any question that, that they do have. You are yeah. available. Um, so if you just kind of want to direct our audience to the proper platform to, to, so they could do so. Two, two different things that they can do. So if you if you like to go on the website, just go to Kirk forward slash Brianna with two ends. Um, or you can simply call us at 720-605-3900 and just say that Brianna sent me and we'll answer some, you know, we will ask you some questions. We'll give us, you know, and, and then we'll, you'll get you set up on one of our advisors calendars, right? Where we can dig in deep because we want to hear you. We want to hear your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, your fears, and craft a strategy for success moving forward that will get you out of the path of the hurricane and, and into something um, that will minimize your risk, maximize your return, and be kind of a safe haven in the storm that we're in. I'm not saying that the storm's going away. I'm saying that we can have a safe haven in the storm, and that's where tangible assets come in. So just give us a call or go to that website, and we'll take good care of you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Elliot. I mean, listen, we're going to be talking about this throughout the podcast. It's super important. I think our audience really wants some answers. And uh, this is the one of many discussions you and I plan on having. Uh, we will constantly update our audience to give them advice on what they can do to secure their future. So it's an honor to have you on and an honor to have you as my first guest. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, 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 o